I'm trying to make someone a more resilient human. Like so that's the end goal, right? So what's going to get us there? Anything that we do that's more complex should supplement that process to make you a more resilient human. We know resilient humans can run far, run fast, <laughs> lift heavy stuff, and you know handle stressful events. That was Kyle Waugh, and you're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online sports technology store that curates the best of in various elements of training, such as timing systems with the free lap timing system, training tools with things such as blood flow restriction training and the K box, athlete monitoring devices such as velocity based training force plates, and the VO2 master, and much more. I choose sponsors for this show that I use their products personally, and I have been loving using blood flow restriction training this past year. The free lap timing system has been an absolute staple for me. I've really enjoyed using bar speed tracking and the K-Box. Those and other products in their store have been a really valuable part of not just my coaching journey, but also my journey as an athlete. They have as well an amazing blog on sports performance and are a top-notch company with great customer service. Be sure to check them out and you can do that at simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for being here. In today's information age, we can become so easily inundated with information on any training topic. In addition to that, we can be told that here's a way you shouldn't move, don't do this, or you need to stop doing this activity entirely, it's not good for you. We hear these things a lot, but in truth, human beings, we are robust, we are capable, and you've certainly heard so many stories of when somebody was told they couldn't do something and then achieved it. Our guest today, Kyle Waugh, is the epitome of that. After his high school athletic career, Kyle ended up in his gym bro days, ended up in pain, was told he needed to stop lifting, told he needed surgery, and eventually worked his way out of it. And he's going to be sharing that story with us today. Kyle is a strength coach and personal trainer, as well as a licensed physical therapy assistant. He is the owner of WA Personal Training, as well as the creator of the WAFIT podcast. He's a guy who not only has the personal experience of being on this journey of trying to disseminate the, all the information out there in his journey to becoming healthy and robust, but he also has a brilliant tribe of mentors and is incredibly driven in really cutting through the layers and finding those underpinning principles of health, robustness, and performance. So on the show today, Kyle will be sharing his athletic background, uh, some of the innovative methods or training and task-oriented training methods uh, of his high school track coach. He'll be getting into that journey in and out of pain, and then he'll be sharing his main principles of loading progression putting load on individuals and how he progresses that through the system, through the program, and how individuals will earn the next layer up in the program, how they'll earn complexity. We'll be chatting about this and much more on this podcast where Kyle talks about that broken to beast progression and how he uses that to help work with clients today. I know you guys will enjoy this podcast. It's really fun as well because Kyle is, he's not my neighbor, but he's pretty close 20 minutes away here in Cincinnati. So, it was fun shooting this in person. Maybe you'll hear a few birds in the background. We were outside recording it and uh, excited to get this to you guys. So here we go. Episode 338 with Kyle Waugh. Kyle, man, you know, if I knew that we were this close together, like when I was on your podcast, 
I, you had told me this before, but I forgot. I apologize, but that we're like, we live like 20 minutes apart from each other. So anyways, I'm glad we could connect, uh, you do, uh, share some workouts together and get this podcast going. So thanks for being here today, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me on and bringing me up here for the Creek run. This is my second one now up here in Loveland and it's been fantastic. Give me a little bit of aerobic endurance that I need right now. Yeah, no, I know. I know uh, today it probably wasn't like the best creek run. Like it was more like just slip and slide, try not to die. <laughs> the, the first one was way better. I like I said it while we were doing that. I like I've been timing myself now so that I can give myself like a challenge. Like you know, I don't know if you could call like training for the zombie apocalypse or the AI takeover. I'm trying to stay up the line, but I like hey, can I get to that? You know, the end that little waterfall in seven minutes. And today that would, <laughs> was totally off the books. I mean, that wasn't any zone cardio. That was just. I don't know, try not to slip. So, just, so I couldn't get a better workout out. today. <laughs> just hanging out at this point. Yeah, man. I, I know, you know, the first time we got together to do that creek run though, and you know, we were able to do crawls, it's raining today, but you had said that you were telling me a little bit about, and you did cross country and hurdles, right? Like, so you, you did the distance and then the, so I, I don't know what animal would that be, you know, if there's cats, so that's definitely not a cat thing to do. <laughs> like it's a horse or a dog or one of those. I mean, just right. tell me a little bit more about your athletic background and kind of how you got you know up in sport. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the way I look at myself, I was never like the best at everything, but I was always a solid body to have on a team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like Christian TV would say you were a 2B back with the neurotyping. <laughs> yeah. Like everything I did was B plus material. I was never <laughs> A plus exceptional, but you know, I could run a 17 minute 5k a little bit lower at that point. I could run, you know, I broke 50 on 400 meters for track. Whenever we had like athletic competitions on the team, I was always the star when it came to that, but I never was that like star, super specialized athlete in some ways. And I think of it too is I probably was lazy back then. <laughs> I don't know how lazy you could be in break seventeen in the five k. I I ran one and just barely clipped twenty. I was dying, and I was felt like a hard worker. So I mean, there's got to be some degree, you know. Yeah, and a lot of it too. Like I just always enjoyed running. Like I remember even like daycare, like before kindergarten. I don't know why or how we got this in our head, but we would literally sit on the playground and just run sprints like animals. I don't like, you know, your dog would like run the fence back and forth. Like we would just do that. And then as soon as fourth grade came around and they allowed me to run cross country, that's where I started. I don't know, maybe I, because I'd been running so much, like I was really good at that. And then people started catching up, you know, aerobic endurance. And then that's where I just kind of found that niche of just being a solid athlete solid all around <laughs> solid all around you know i played basketball i played baseball like i could definitely participate in the team and do well but probably wasn't going to be your your all-star <laughs> yeah i think if you have a pretty solid frame like are you close to like what 215 right now or something like that pretty muscular Just like hit 221 this morning uh, so. <laughs> there, you, there you go uh anyway, yeah it's a good thing it wasn't like high aerobic intensity creek run type day today yeah. you know um at least or all the way around the woods here but you know there's got to be that because I get it, like if you like running, you know, you can be like a typical football frame and probably be pretty successful early on. But eventually, like they said on the track bus, those stick dudes are going to start catching up to you at some point. You're just, you know, you're just not built for that, even if you have a good uh, aerobic engine. But like you said, like you, you liked running. And that's where Tony Holler, we were just doing a podcast and he talked about the base of progressing is that you love what you do. That being more on the scope of speed training. But if you like running, if you love it, I mean, that's that's as much of a base of anything, but obviously that wasn't your destiny. You did hurdles, you ran the 400 and mm -hmm. ran pretty fast time. And, you know, you had some interesting workouts that I think were more on the cross country end of things, but maybe the track end too. I, and especially like the cross country though, tell me about some of that with your high school coach. Yeah. I mean, my cross country coach and my track coach, they were 
really good, especially from coming from outskirts of Louisville, Kentucky. You know, you don't expect you think like LA or around in there, like they have like exceptional coaches, especially at the high school level. But they were really, really good. And at least with my cross country coach, he would try to make these workouts enjoyable from just getting everybody involved, creating little bits of competition, you know, tried to get the people that he knew they were the lazy people on the team in some ways, but they had that potential. That was me, (laughs) (laughs) but how to get them involved and sort of created that fire. So like some of the workouts he would do is we're going to run a total of whatever the distance is, but throughout that process, you have to kick a soccer ball X amount of distance. And then you have to pick up a Frisbee and throw and run after it, pick it up and then throw it again and back and forth. And all these different combination of sort of events and in doing so he would time you and that would be sort of our interval training in some ways. So it was very task oriented and while also having the times and competitive aspect of like, Hey, you win a Gatorade <laughs> at the hey, for end. high school or that's everything. Oh, that was everything, man. Like if it was a white Gatorade, the <laughs> I'm all about it. So adding that in, I thought that was just incredible. Like when I look back on it, now being a coach myself it's like wow he was really doing his best with these high school athletes to bring out the best in them and get them to work hard and in doing so i mean we placed really well in state every year i mean granted some of the guys from indiana illinois that would come down and they kick our butts but (laughs) we would do extremely well um, in the state championships for kentucky at that time yeah that task orient it is funny because I think so often, especially on podcasts, it's very easy. And I think what everyone always wants is the X's and O's. Hey, what workout did you do? You know, how mm-hmm. did you how did you time it? What was the distance? How many reps? When did you drop off? Like, and 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 you know, how much force and all that stuff. And that's awesome. But it's also, I think, once you've had those workouts where it is like more task oriented, or even like I just did a creek run last week when it wasn't slippery as hell, and I wasn't worried about like. Out every other step. I mean, some of those mossy rocks were like crazy. I mean, I think I almost slipped about 20 times back yeah. there. Like it actually fell in the water. <laughs> but there's this feeling, and I think almost anybody intuitively recognizes this. I mean, basketball was a really big part of my, I guess, symbiosis between basketball and track going up. And there's this feeling that you get when you're just doing like a pickup basketball game like that. And then you go try to grab the rim or dunk after. And it's like, oh, you're getting up so high and so easily. And I think it's easy or it's human nature. I've talked about this so much on the podcast last few shows. Like, all right, I'm talking about it again. But it's almost human nature to want to classify everything about that. You know, oh, it's because your visual and your vestibular is looking this way. And you got, I don't know. What about you just know what the feeling is? Because, and what I mean by that is when I time the creek run, let's say it's like 7.30, eight minutes to get down there. And that's not eight minutes of running. It is eight minutes of task-oriented, like semi-plyometrics with yeah. some bursts of running in between. That's basketball. But the feeling I have of being not just like my legs being responsive, but literally of like almost an energy in my body, I'm like, this is what it's like to be charged up and feel like that game of basketball. Now, how can I apply this feeling to training more? And yes, and then whatever X's and O's and things you have laid down is just going to make that better. And it's funny because I had never heard, and we still haven't done it. I was like, hey, let's bring soccer balls out next time. We'll kick them down the trail. Honestly, I think I did that. I. I did it on my own one day. My, my son's like size three soccer ball, like mm-hmm. half deflated was in the back of the car one day. I was like, I'm just going to kick this down the trail and did a horrible job of it. But you aren't thinking of being tired. You're so in the present moment. And that that is just such a game changer. And so, 
you know, for, I think for recovery days, especially like any of you even outputs too, but you know, cause I do think about, I mean, really the, in the present output is like a 10 meter fly, like a heavy squat with like a bar velocity, something that's meaningful there, but there is that other side of it too. If you want to recover active recovery, also being highly task oriented as well. And you can make that any way you want. Well, and I even think too, like it helps you get into that flow state, which I think is super powerful. And I think in some ways could even make you better at business and all these other aspects of your life and just general focus. I mean, there's all those studies of kids who are in school and they're like, okay, get up and do jumping jacks and then learn the ABCs. And they all learn the ABCs like 10 times faster. Like, you know, don't quote me on that, but no, I I believe you. It's, it's a, it's studied. I'm butchering it, but it's a real thing that when you're moving, you're able to learn better. And so some of the best times I come up with ideas is just going out and running or going, doing something else while I'm thinking. But I think that having a task related to that can be super beneficial. And I think that's how we're meant to think in a lot of ways. Yeah. Tommy John had highlighted this study. I, Jeremy Frisch might've mentioned it too, or I, I don't, I think it was one of those two I had heard it from, but it's something like a child, like, I don't know, say your average, like seven or eight year old needs so many thousands of movements in a day for their brain to reach its full potential. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many, <laughs> uh, like, like when I was writing speed strength or, or any educational piece of material I've put out, even just writing training programs, has come from going out in a workout, getting hit by just, and literally hit. I, I think that's a good word because I'm not planning on, like, I'm not intensely trying to learn this, but it just hits you. It's like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. And then as soon as I get back, I write it down. Like, oh, I got to like write that, this. That this, synapse this makes a connection in your brain all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and it makes me even think too, I, I think so often, even in like technical, like, like technical coaching, like teaching someone how to jump or sprint or throw and, and one, just having kids myself and watching them do all these things without anybody teaching them, but you know, just setting up an environment, putting someone in a flow state and almost letting that flow state do a good deal of the teaching for you and being intentional like that to me is such a powerful way of learning, but we don't think about it that way. We're like, all right, well, all right, your arm needs to be in this position. Your leg needs to be here. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying there's not a place for some of that, but to me, the base is always, hey, let's get in the present moment. Let's go through this. It may be asking, hey, did you notice this? Did you notice that? To me, that that's the core of not just, I guess, you could say like workouts and energy and intensity, like we're trying to get more powerful, but it's also a core of how do we actually pick up skills. I I can't imagine too many people out there and, and you, you know, you could make the case for like, sprinters are built they aren't you know they're they're you built them they didn't just come up or whatever i think that's being said when sprinting versus jogging or sprinting on a track or whatever but i I can't imagine that there's too many elite elite athletes out there especially look at the espn top 10 it's like oh yeah the coach told me to do it just like this and that's what i had in my head when i was it's like no you played all the games you you did all that self-learning and present-minded flow states for so long you kind of set me off on a tirade sorry i didn't i've like totally hijacked (laughs) this question of this this workout with anyways long story short is yeah i gotta i gotta do a full like mile of kicking the soccer ball or throwing the frisbee to myself at some point it it would be cool to see some research on that as well like rpes like how hard did you feel that was or Mm -hmm. anything like i mean i mean that's sport for you too though yeah yeah but it also just makes it more fun like if you just had me run in the middle of this field right now it would be terrible but like that (laughs) trail run was fantastic because i'm talking to you we're having a good time 
there's stuff to look at. Like it's just way more enjoyable. Yeah, like hawks and stuff. That's yeah, cool. we saw a couple <laughs> hawks, and it, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah, I usually when I see deers around here, they they do make me feel bad a little bit. Just like how easy they can just vault over it. Like I'm like they oh make gosh. that look so insanely effortless. It's their senses yeah. are just on another level. They can smell you from like a thousand feet away. Yeah, yeah. Being being in that environment, I think is. It, you know, even if not all the time, just some, it teaches you a lot. And it's something that I think you have, to, you just have to be there too. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, let's get to some more of the stuff related to, or some of the stuff related to biomechanics, compensations, all that. I think that a lot of people, every time I do a show about some of these things like a wide or narrow ISA, there's always a lot of questions. And I think it's really easy to be overwhelmed with that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, you know, from I don't know how long this show has been going where I've started to get into those episodes. And it's definitely helped me to like edit them and take notes and like mm-hmm. go through the notes. I, I've invested a lot of intellectual energy into learning all these things. But sometimes I feel like, well, couldn't that thing just be solved with something really simple, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I'd like to get into your history of, I guess, like getting into pain and then getting out of it by understanding biomechanics and then maybe some of the more then further on we'll get into some of the more i think just simpler things out there that offer a good reward in terms of you know the compression expansion and all that type of universe so uh, let's start with this is what's your history uh, you know we start with your basic athletic history but your history of uh, getting into pain and then what was your journey out so basically coming from a running background and then i hit college uh, I had the opportunity to walk on at University of Kentucky, and then I heard that they had to wake up at like 5 a.m. And I said, <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I'm not getting paid. There's nothing happening here. So I decided not to do that, went the more bodybuilding route, and wanted to put on muscle because like the first time I really could probably do that. And so I got into the gym, just started bro lifting. And, yeah. and hey, that's all of us though. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was a great time. I had an awesome time taking my pre-workout, my face would be itchy, and I'd bust out some squats, and it was awesome. That said, is that progressed, I thought that that was going to make me faster. And in doing so, I actually made myself in the course of like a year, year and a half, extremely slow. (laughs) (laughs) So I would, the Johnson Center at the University of Kentucky, the squat racks were literally like facing the soccer field. So I was squatting and I remember I hit 315 for three reps and I was like, let's go. Now I should be really, really fast. (laughs) And I went out there and I went to do a sprint and I about fell on my face. And I was like, what in the world is going on? So naturally, I doubled down on weightlifting instead of doing more sprinting. And then in doing that and not sleeping and just being a dumb college kid, I busted up my hip, busted up my shoulder. That turned into a whole five-year issue of just being noceboed. I don't know if you oh, use yeah. that on the show. Oh, yeah. oh, noceboed yeah. yeah, by... Yeah. Go, go into that, actually, because I think that's really important. Yeah. yeah like, I went to... Naturally, I go to the doctor on campus and he's like, well, you need to go talk to a surgeon. So I went to talk to an orthopedic surgeon and this guy tells me, and if you can imagine surgeon in Lexington, Kentucky, <laughs> he's like, you need a hip replacement. And I'm like 20 years old. And I look at him I'm like, that's stupid. Like my grandma got one of those and she's 60. Like I, I'm not doing this and got a second opinion. This other guy didn't help me out at all. And that started some beliefs around my hip. I started thinking, I went to a ton of PTs, ton of chiropractors. Everyone's giving me their two cents and really my hip, my shoulder, all these, all I wanted to do was train and none of these low level exercises were necessarily getting me there nor out of pain. Mm -hmm. And in this whole five year, I mean, I went way down the rabbit hole. It's, It's one of the reasons I moved from Lexington to Seattle. I got into postural restoration from 
being in postural restoration, I was like, this, this stuff is dumb. It doesn't work. So I went to functional <laughs> patterns. <laughs> That's which, quite the jump. <laughs> it was quite the jump, but they were headquarters in Seattle at the time. Mm. So I was like training at their headquarters. I'm like, these guys got to fix me. No, not at all. If anything, more nocebo telling me why the X, Y, and Z means that I'm going to have pain. And then went back, circled back to posture restoration. Finally, after like five years of all this stuff, I just come to terms with, I need to get stronger. I had become deconditioned. I lost all my muscle mass from college, all this stuff. That wasn't helping me. So I was like, I just need to focus on what I can do. What are my main limitations? What can I do versus what can't I do? Yeah. And making that mindset shift was game changing. So, you know, it just started with, well, I know I can squat to this depth. I know I can deadlift to this depth. I know I'm lacking hip internal rotation. Let me do everything I can to get hip internal rotation and then load that as best as possible. And in doing so, I built back up to, you know, squatting 315. I built back up to deadlifting. And I kind of just had to say, like, I don't care about the pain. Like, if I feel something in the gym, a lot of it, too, I think is, like, they've shown in a lot of, like, neuroscientists have, like, talked about this, like, multiple times. There's a TED Talk on it, actually, from some guy in Australia. I can't remember. I can send you the link. But he talks about your body learns how to be in pain after a while Mm. and these, like, traumas that you have. So, a lot of this pain, I had no actual tissue issues five years later after maybe i did tear a labrum or something but i still had like my body was expecting there to be pain with this type of activity in this type of environment and so that realization i'm going on a tangent at this point no, but it's good it's good, no, it's it's, good tangent. but that realization was just like again game changing and it was just like well is this actually pain that i need to wreck it like is it am i actually hurting anything no i think it's just my brain giving me warning signs because it doesn't want me to jack anything up ever again <laughs> yeah at that point so it's just stop focusing on it recognize what it is that it is real but is it coming from a tissue actually being hurt or damaged or is it my brain being concerned at yeah. that point point? and so yeah I, that's <laughs> that's kind of my story uh, that's a long way of saying i was in pain and then i got out of pain um, <laughs> but that's kind of the quick and dirty version of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, and, and the nocebo to it, you, you talked about a lot, but basically that's where the, the actual definition being where someone tells you this is bad for you. It might not actually be bad for you, but right. now you believe it. Right. Now it's like they're saying, oh, don't go in this range because, oh, you can't do this because. And it seems like it's almost like to be marketable on some level that is to people's advantage now. It's, it's marketable to say, oh, well, stop doing this. Here's put all the X's. Right. <laughs> and start doing this, all the green check marks. And it makes me think at, at the core of it all, it, it really is so simple on, on a level like where I like Tommy John's, like if your finger hurts, like you had said, I'm going to start squatting where I can. Mm-hmm. And there was a mindset shift. And I like his idea of if I hurt my finger and I only could move it, like I got my finger here in front of me, so people can't see it. But like <laughs> if I only move it 10 degrees without it hurting, then move it 10 degrees a thousand times. And the next day, maybe you can move it 12 degrees and right. do that a thousand times and just keep going. And I think that it's so, yeah, like if someone came up to me and said, well, no, you can't move your finger that way. You have to start by doing, you know, you have to start by doing, I don't know, some vision drills. You have to do the wrist or you have to do your elbow first. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a better, that's a much better explanation. You got to, yeah, you got to start with these elbow circles and you have to do them this way and then you can do your finger or whatever. Like, yeah. So anyways, it's interesting with the mindset shift. So, I mean, how much of it for you would say, or maybe go into that. So go into 
the mindset shift, and then it, was there any systems? I mean, I guess like the ultimate system is no system, right? On a level, right? <laughs> That's maybe a different conversation. But what were some of the principles that you were really sticking to? That I mean, was there any systems you were borrowing from more? For example, uh, any movement patterns that you were borrowing from more really that were meaningful for you in that journey that led you out of the, the issues you were having? Definitely. So in the process of being in pain, not being able to do the exercise that I wanted to do. Because again, I just want to be a bro and hit my squats, hit my deadlifts, hit my bench and be jacked and covered in muscle. Like who doesn't want that? So in trying to do that, I sort of lost my way of like, what was the final goal? Like what, why was I doing this in the first place? And it, the goal became more about the pain at that point. Like how do I get out of pain? And when I took that, made that mindset shift, like I this is what I really want to do. How do I get back to those things? It sort of brought my focus onto that in some ways and off of just constantly obsessing about what move is going to be best to eliminate the pain. Right. I, I, yeah, I, I got you. Yeah. So rather than that, because I think the same thing could be said for athletic performance. I'm not yeah. jumping as high as I want to. Well, God, there's got to be some plyometric out there that I haven't tried. Yet. You're, you're <laughs> looking like, for a silver bullet. Exactly. In, it doesn't exist like you just probably have to do more of that <laughs> yeah i think that and being sometimes in like you, you get into a really good training flow state and i realized this sp sprinting is such a good one because there's nothing else that really touches it in terms of vo velocity and all these things i mean and i think so oftentimes and, and we i think we've realized this if you want to run faster you have to sprint and you, you do, but you also have to sprint you kind of have to get over some of the mental blocks that you might have had with sprinting like like not wanting to even like, like, for example, like for me right now, if I wanted to run a faster 100 meters, I need to go out and compete in master's track meets. Like I need to get over mental blocks of, oh, well, what if I'm not as fast as I want to be? Or what if I go out and do this time right now and I'm not happy with it? Or, and, or what if I'm afraid to train with this group that I know is going to energize me and help me? Mm -hmm. What if I'm afraid to make this lifestyle change? I think sometimes it's just like, instead, we just look, search for all the silver bullets. That's not to say that those silver bullets don't have a lot of value. You know, I think in I think when you can combine everything, it's like you you do a good job with the main thing and you take the right mindset and then that mindset can kind of filter over in everything else that you're doing too. But it does start with I yeah, I think just that like you said, the mindset shift being the first thing and then everything else kind of right. going from there. So I had David Gray on my podcast recently and I actually retract my silver bullet statement. Like I think you shouldn't chase after silver bullets. But he said a really good thing where it's like this quick fix or this little thing, it, they do exist. Like they can take away 70% of your pain. They could probably improve your performance a good amount, but that's just a foothold, right? Like you take that and it's like, okay, I know this can work. Let me double down on it and then make sure that everything else around it is also moving yeah. with it. Quickly, I wanted to let you know about the chance to try out Performance Herbalism for only a few dollars shipping costs and get one of Lost Empire Herbs' flagship products, Pine Pollen, for free. Switching to an herbal emphasis in my supplementation has been a life-changing switch for me. Just as nature is by design balanced and sustainable, I believe that the more natural our diet and our supplementation is, the better. I love and use several Lost Empire Herbs products that boost not only my energy, but also my strength. These include Chiliagit Resin and the Phoenix Formula. You can check those out by heading to lostempireherbs.com slash justfly and grab 15% off. If you're on the fence about the power of herbalism, 
I have a great offer for you, which is that you can get free pine pollen. Pine pollen is an herbal powerhouse that is a hormonal and energy booster packed with nutrition. It's actually part of the Phoenix formula. And you can get that for free uh, along with the normal shipping fee at justflypinepollen.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, that, that makes, okay, that, I, yeah, I could dig that. This in the sense of, like for me, like when I was, let's just say 16-year-old Joel, <laughs> was not very fast growing up. I, I ran when I was a freshman in high school. And I mean, I was, I, I already had loved like track and sprinting and all that stuff. And I remember I ran, I, I never actually ran the 100, but we did it in practice and hand time like 12-3 or something. That's not very good. I mean, that's like an auto, like, you know, 11 or sorry, 12, five, 12, six, still do the four by one. But like the next year, granted, obviously growing and matured and, you know, have a little more testosterone in the system than when I was younger. And, but I was starting to do more, I started to do like the science of jumping plyo workouts, which was a lot of like depth drops, depth jumps. They had deadlifting in the program and just the one that felt good for me was sumo deadlifting. And mm-hmm. so just doing that, honestly, and getting a little more co- general compression in my system, neurological output. I remember going to track practice the next year as a sophomore, and my dunking had improved a ton for basketball. And But that's part of it. It's, like, it's almost like you level up. It's not really about the exercise. It's the fact that you can go out and do a new dunk. And that's the thing to me, like getting out there and actually doing the thing in life, and that's the supercharger. And then you can go back and maybe grab some of those bullets. They help you along the way. But ultimately, it's because the freak athletes, they don't need the bullets. They they just can go do it. And right. So I think you're always realizing that those things are they are helpful stepping stones in the journey. They are set, they're like a guide that helps you there. Mm-hmm. But they're not the foundation. You can't make them you can't put them on a pedestal that's too high. And I think for me, like having a little more compression in my system actually, I mean I and we'll talk about superpowers. I think I'm so extended and I kinda like the more you get like through PRI, it's like, oh I'm so extended, this sucks. Like <laughs> But that's like a nocebic yeah. belief. And yeah. you know, it's I love PRI. I use it every single day. Yeah. Like that expansion compression model. But when we do start to attach some of these things, especially for athletes, it's like that again, that's a superpower. You need that, but don't demonize it. Right. That's yeah. a it's a normal human movement. Everybody can do it. So why is it necessarily bad? Yeah. Yeah. I know I will get to that because I, I do want to talk about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that part of it. But I was just going to say like my sophomore year, I remember the first track practice we're doing like sprints and accelerations. And I got people telling me, oh, you're faster this year. Like, and it's like, you hear that. Yeah, I am faster. Like awesome. And then you go in the meets and you do better. It's just like, it's kind of a cyclical thing. I feel mm-hmm. like it's like you get better. I, I just had a kind of a little chart I made of this. It's like you, you level up as a human being, you're kind of your, almost your battery, your like juice, your life force kind of goes up if you want. You could call it like neural signaling. I don't know the exact, it's a multifactorial thing. You're mm-hmm. about your, your vitality and energy you can plug into the movement gets better. You can do your skill better. I mean, it's sprinting or jumping or throwing that gets better. And then you can go do you know, an exercise, a power, a strength exercise better. It's just kind of this, this secular thing or circular circular <laughs> circular thing that goes along so they they i think it's like they help you and then your main thing gets better or is in less pain and then you can kind of keep going from that way i guess maybe i'm not sure i'm 100 sure how to go with the pain thing maybe you never need to return to those i think i feel like once you're out of pain it's like you've kind of that's you've transcended it like you you yeah. don't need to go back there well, anymore. what's your thoughts on that i heard a i don't know where i heard this so if anyone listening like knows and has heard this before please whatever but um the way I've always looked at it as like a bank account. I, I love business type stuff mm-hmm. and finance. I listen to a lot of that. But when you're in pain, you're in debt, right? Like you cannot break even with anything. 
at this point. So the whole goal of physical therapy, chiropractic rehab is to at least get you to break even, right? You're not overdrafting. You're not doing anything like that in your bank account. You finally break even. You can hit $0, maybe $10 in your account. Anything after that, you know, if you look at what Pat Davidson says, he says that physical therapy is just low level bodybuilding, Mm. right? So it's just strength training. It's getting your endurance back up. All those things I look at as other sorts of income, streams of income for you. So they start to build a more financially sustainable system in some ways. And again, strength and aerobic endurance and all these other things, they start to build your bank account back up. And then so, yeah, you roll your ankle while you're doing a creek run. It doesn't break the bank. You know, it doesn't set you back into debt and then you're trying to climb back out of there anymore. You're just you have so much built up that you're just a more robust, resilient human at that point. So that that's the way I like to talk about it. And I explain that to clients and they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like, I'm in pain. I just need to break even. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's just get to that point. And then anything after that, you know, what do you enjoy doing? You like running? You like lifting? You like getting a pump? Let's do more of that because that's going to be, that might be your primary stream of income. And then anything else is icing on the cake. I got you. Yeah, that that makes good sense. I I try to think about it's like self-centered. I'm like how does that relate to my injury history just to, you know, draw a conversation. I feel like cuz I haven't it is it maybe it's almost like it rains at pour, when it rains it pours type mentality a little bit. Like when you're there and and you're kind of getting injured a lot. Like the people who are injured a lot, they're on that like cycle and people who are robust are generally pretty robust. Right. And I mean, I've, you know, <laughs> not got what I've been healthy for quite a while. But I remember when I was doing like heavier lifting stuff, more more bilateral, like I, we talked about before this podcast, like when I was doing like the cube method and trying to be like, well, I haven't really done powerlifting stuff. How far can I take it with my frame that's kind of a narrow, narrow and doesn't really, now I know it doesn't really respond well to that athletically. I'd never hurt my back until I started really like pushing my squat. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to tweak your back. And then I had a lot of back tweaks for the next four or five years. and. But to be honest, like I haven't ever since I kind of, I guess you could say made my training more functional. I still squat, but it's I, it's more like maybe I'm just smarter, but I haven't, you know, I, it's just like I almost never, I never deal with that anymore, ever. Even if I decide to go do a heavy deadlift day. Yeah. <laughs> like <the> like <laughs> even days where I am, like even recently, I decided, all right, I'll do some heavier hex bar deadlifts. No mm-hmm. problem. Or I used to, around that time, I used to tweak my adductor every time I go out and run a, like a 30 meter sprint. Like the third or fourth one, my right adductor would just start getting tweaked out and I couldn't do anymore. And the only thing at the time, funny enough, the only thing at the time that I could use that I wouldn't tweak it is if I had one of those uh, David Wilkes propulsors, then I wouldn't tweak it because it's like it would, I think it like, or if I played sports, I wouldn't tweak it because it's like task, it, it changed it to task oriented. Right. If it wasn't task oriented, I'm finding myself like, oh, what, what motion can I do to run faster? And like, I would get out of sync and something was sitting there that wasn't very good anyways. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I, I never, I never have that problem. And funny enough, actually, the thing that fixed it, because I think that it would be very easy to get nocebo with that right groin now. I'd be like, oh, well, where am I? What's wrong? Where am I not reciprocal? And this and, that. and, and not that that stuff isn't good. Mm-hmm. But the thing that fixed it, honestly, like forever was honestly just doing iso lunges, like the yeah. extreme iso lunge hold. That's it. Like that fixed it. And I have never had a problem. So I'm like, it, for me, it didn't. I, I think for some people, it, it can get more complex. So maybe that's a question I ask sometimes is like, okay, if if just getting really good in extreme iso lunge, doing less barbell squatting, having a good mindset doesn't fix it. Okay, well now let's go to the next layer of 
here's some other exercises and solutions or look like Pat Davidson say like lower level bodybuilding or like yeah. lower level regressions, things like that. I was just kind of wondering if we want to keep the Corvette simple, when do we need to get more complex beyond just basically what you do in the weight room, just maybe a more mindful version of that. You yeah. Know? The way it's just like you said, it's peeling back the onion layers, right? Does this work for someone? No, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. And I guess I really got that mindset from, I worked in a, it's called sports physical therapy back in Seattle. And it was a very cohesive group. We had DPTs, PTAs, and then our techs, but everyone had strength strength and conditioning background. So it wasn't your run in the mill. You just come in and we're going to do some massage, throw some stim and a heat pack and call it a day. It was, we're trying to get you off the table. We're using a manual therapy as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it is exercise based. So, because that's what makes the changes at the end of the day. So being in that environment and seeing how effective, like I could have gone down the rabbit hole of manual therapy and getting really good at that, but it probably would just be a bandaid approach. It's not until you load people and teach new movement patterns that that's really going to change. So my sort of hierarchy is let's reduce the pain. Let's load you up. Does that fix it? Can you do this movement? without pain at that point or does it look okay and it's a different sensation of pain like it may be just a little bit achy but it's not that someone took a knife and stabbed you in the hip Mm. right and then if that doesn't work let's go back to the table let's retest what did we miss you know that so it's it's earning your complexity and really being able to train people and do rehab online has been i believe more effective for the way i i do this because i can look at more environmental factors too there would be people that would come in for an hour and they'd have back pain. They'd have whatever it is. And you could tell they were deconditioned. They had no aerobic endurance. Uh, they worked 12 hours a day. Their stress levels were through the roof. And it's like, how much of that back pain is actually coming from a tissue response or is it just their lifestyle mm-hmm. at that point? So I always tell people like, if you want to get super complex and if you want to know if you're a left AIC or mm-hmm. what your hip internal rotation is at this point in time, well, you need to prove to me that you're getting eight hours of sleep. Your yeah. nutrition's on point. You're at least trying to promote some sort of aerobic endurance on a daily basis. You're getting your steps, 10,000 steps minimum per day. If you can tell me you're doing all those, then let's get more deep. Yeah. Right. And, and so that, that, that's really the way I look at it. I, I love that. Earn your complexity. I'm at, I'm at actually, I think that's I'm like, I see my I, title for the, co- the podcast. I will say I got that Love from that. Uh, Angus Bradley oh. when I had him on there. So that, that was, uh, right. I shout think out the, to Angus. Shout out to Angus. <laughs> that was the title of our podcast episode, Earn Your Complexity. So can't take full credit. That's because that's true in absolutely everything though, because it's like, I, again, it's like the, oh, I'm not fast enough. Well, it must be this little complex nuance that I'm missing. You know what I'm saying? Or because always, because it's all the same thing. Like Bruce Jackson said that he, because Boo did amazing when they put him on rehab duties because he just treated it basically like track training. You know, like Tony Hollis says, track is the ultimate goal output oriented sport. Taking some of those nuances and applying that to therapy, it's all on the spectrum. It's all the same thing. And so that's where I, I like, I, I always love like the principles that can transcend that. And yeah, like it, even in like sports tech or even like rehab modalities, I remember I was at Jay DeMeo's clinic back like seven years ago, Central Virginia Sports Performance, and Eric Corum was talking about like earning like modalities. Like you don't just get this like massage. It's like massage or something. Like mm-hmm. you have to prove that you can do all the other low level things before we're just going to give you. I don't know if it was getting like massage or what it was, but some like higher level modality that wasn't 
they couldn't just give it to everybody. Like you have to earn this. You don't just get this because you're on the team. And so it, be it in, yeah, like rehab re, or um, maybe it was, I forget it was something with sports. I don't think it was, yeah, I think it was that. I was thinking like something with sports science and data, but I must, my memory, there was a while ago, my memories failed me on that. But yeah, I just love the idea of yeah being savagely good with the basics first. But the thing is though, is like there are people who do need more complexity in like the rehab space. There are people who, just giving them an extreme ISO lunge isn't going to, maybe it fixed me, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. like, and, you know, and actually I will say I, I, I lied my, with, um, I did have one because I was just thinking about this as I did have one back, I wouldn't even call it a tweak. It was just uncomfortable where I finished the workout, but the next day I was going eh, like, you know, it's like, you know, but, but it was funny because where I, I think back in the day I would have, maybe ended the set i actually like i was doing a set of cleans after playing ultimate frisbee and it was like Mm -hmm. a super stressful like two day like super stressful and like the second set i did feel something and but actually i did some extreme iso rfv split squats in between sets which actually made it feel better and then i was just like i was just like isoed my way out of it and two days later i was totally fine and but that's i don't know like to me it's just become a mental thing almost like that tommy john mentality for me works great it works good enough that i haven't needed to go any further but then i'm always wondering well there are people that do you know and like it's like well why and then where and maybe that is a complex conversation in and of itself oh and it's again it's that you're trying to chase the silver bullet you're trying to chase that one thing but when i think of physical therapy rehab anything like that i'm trying to make someone a more resilient human like so that's the end goal right so what's going to get us there Anything that we do that's more complex should supplement that process to make you a more resilient human. We know resilient humans can run far, run fast, <laughs> lift heavy stuff, and handle stressful events, right? There's probably a bunch of other things, but that's kind of like my bid for. That's what I want to focus on. So yeah, I'll use a visual component to a breathing drill if someone really needs that, but you better believe I'm going to load them up <laughs> yeah. as soon as I'm done with that, yeah. right? And so- and I think a lot of people, especially, I don't want to hate on certain systems, but they will forget that aspect in some ways that, you know, we're dealing with the most sedentary population we've ever dealt with in human history. People have less muscle mass, more fat than we've ever had. Like there's a, a lot of low hanging fruits mm-hmm. over here. And I would guarantee, and this is kind of talking to like Kyle Dobbs and Matt Domney, they really like got me out of thinking like, oh, well, it's all, it's all cervical. It's Mm -hmm. all visual. It's all this neurological stuff. And it's, again, we're just trying to build more robust humans at the end of the day. You can't get stuck in that mindset. You can't bottleneck yourself in some ways. Yeah. So how is that with the training that you will put out? So let's say someone is, you know, they've, they've gotten into that place where they are able to train well, they can, they can handle load. I think it's an interesting to think about because I, I think about this a lot. Like, yes, if I work with athletes, I'm going to be much more likely to front squat them than back squat them. You know, I'm going to be more likely to use a hex bar than a bar deadlift. But at the end of the day, though, too, like, let's say I'm I'm training to be robust. I want to be able to defeat the zombie apocalypse or whatever. Just right. be a robust, strong human being. I should be able to back squat. Like, to think that that's off the table. And actually, that's kind of hit me even in the sense of, and maybe we can talk about this with, like, even the extension, like, instead of looking at oh i'm in such an extension parent that's what made me fast honestly Mm because i'm not like gifted to be the fastest guy it's just my physiology cranked itself as much as possible to be as fast as i could be and like it was angus who actually put that picture of like usain bull it looks like someone has he's got a dent in the middle of his back from being insanely extended to be the fastest man in the world 
And so it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm, you know, it, it's like you appreciate that a little bit more. And I'm trying not to like lose this in the sense of I, I think that I was so, and I will say back squats helped <laughs> to extend me. Yeah. And, and honestly, for a lot of my career, that served me very well. Like, mm-hmm. like until I think I got into my late, mid to late 20s and really started to push it, stopped probably playing quite as much, more life stress. And, and those lifts consistently were getting better, but it started to get to the point now where, hey, this is actually too much for you. And so, mm-hmm. With all that being said, I, I actually personally went to, yeah, I don't back squat as much, but you know, I'm going to do some back squats as warm up for my main squats just to have it in there. Just yeah. to like, I'm robust. Why should I demonize any lift? You know, and I still program back, squ- uh, back squats occasionally for my clients, but mm-hmm. just that idea, I think of, well, you shouldn't do this. So anyways, all that, the long-winded way of asking you, like, how do you approach loading people in terms of, okay, people who have had a pain history and then thoughts on some of those more big rocks like back squat, barbell, deadlift, all, all that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we know those movements work. There's probably more research done on back squats and deadlifts than any other movement that's out there, right? So they they have their place. They're staples for a reason. Same with bench press, overhead press, barbell movements. So we know they can work. And I think it's just when you're ready for it. So I don't like to demonize an exercise. It's more, what kind of body are you bringing to that exercise? Mm. You know, if you have no hip internal rotation, or you can't get your arm overhead into full shoulder flexion, then I might not batch squat you. I might not give you a military press right now. Let's give you something else that you still can do and target the muscles that we want, but it meets you where you're currently at. So especially in a rehab sense, right? If I can't touch my toes, well then let's get you there eventually and set these markers for you. And then as soon as you start to master these other exercises let's retest the toe touch let's retest this other stuff good you graduated let's go to the next thing and then maybe that is a hex bar deadlift right Uh, that is i was talking to i can't remember his name at this point right now but he was telling me and i kind of stole this from him but if you can do your body weight or one and a half times your body weight with a hex bar then you can start to use maybe a regular barbell right so just kind of setting these milestones for people setting setting goals I found that to be super powerful for people. And that's gen- general population. Uh, when it comes to athletes, I probably push more unilateral a lot yeah, of the yeah. times. I just find that to be more effective and easier on their bodies, yeah. especially if they're higher level. Well, yeah, just, keeping them healthy is the number one thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it'd be, it's cool, like in theory, to be like, yeah, we should be able to lift all these odd rocks and be super robust humans. But it's like right now, that's not the main thing we're trying to do. You know, maybe in the right. off season if you really want to, you know. But. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, if I have an athlete that they love to back squat, I'll give it to them. Like, go ahead, do your thing. Let's just play around with RPE and how much you're loading it. I might be like a complete jerk and say, hey, do this for three sets of 15. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they can't he- load that extremely heavy. They're probably not going to hurt themselves doing more volume work at that point than they would at a lower rep scheme. Right. But then eventually, as we, progress through all right we'll get you toward a set of five all right let's see what that looks like so but they have to just as much you have to earn your complexity to regress you have to earn i guess the complexity to progress and continue to be more robust yeah yeah the ability you need to be healthy enough to it's not that the back squats and deadlifts are bad it's just what is the body like that is doing those? Right. And then, of course, what intensity, too. I think at some point of intensity with those movements, any body type is going to get yeah. into a potential issue. Well, and I think because it's so easy, especially with like optimal, everyone wants to be optimal and perfectionist with a lot of their training. I 
the worst about that. I used to think that if my form wasn't perfect, I couldn't load it and progress beyond that point. But I also tell people like, if you're on the third set of 10 and the last two reps look like crap, like that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's your, you, that, that means you're working hard yeah. at that point. So it's not being afraid of that. It's knowing, and I guess probably the most beneficial thing is just extending the timeline for people. Yeah. Everyone thinks like, I have to get ready as soon as possible. Like I have to be better. I have to hit this, whatever metric as fast as I possibly can. And I think it's good to have goals, but it's also setting realistic expectations for people and saying like, Hey, you have time, especially like general populations. Mm -hmm. Like I've been working out for 10, 12 years now. I didn't get like this overnight. Yeah. You know, I didn't, it took me a year to add 40 pounds of muscle and, and fat, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, to get to that point where I broke through my threshold of like 190 pounds to get to 215 to 220 and put on muscle mass at that point, it takes time. So just talking to people and setting those realistic expectations has been, and being clear about it has been really beneficial. Yeah. I like, you know, what you said about the bank account kind of hit me in the sense of, like if I'm working with an elite athlete, like a lot of their bank account is going into their sport too. Like, mm -hmm. and, they, and especially too, hopefully they're taking care of all their bases with their life and stress and sleep and all that. But like someone like me who I get eight hours of sleep a night, I eat really well, like, and I, I'm healthy. I would, I would say I have a pretty good bank account to put into, if I want to do some dumb shit in the weight room, like yeah. I have a good bank account to do that. Like, and, and, and if something happened, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Versus, so maybe part of that too is, you know, because I guess I look on the tail end of the more compressive lifts, like, okay, we have goblet squat, front squat, safety bar squat, like back squat's probably the most compressive, like dirt mm -hmm. and whatnot. It, I guess maybe how much of that you decide to end up using might depend on maybe it's just your bank account a little bit too, or, or, or straight bar deadlift or anything like that. It's just all, I, you know, you hate to say it depends, but you know, part of that, or is it off season or is it in season, I guess too, can I go harder here? Versus do I need to stay robust in the, the demands of season or whatnot? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I sometimes think of it too is like, where do we come from? So whatever, you have caveman Tonto out there in the woods, right? Like he's probably going to be more successful if he's sleeping. Well, if he's got a lot of food, you know, he's got a community that's tight knit. So his social, all of that, like he's probably going to be doing pretty well. And then Tonto can maybe play around with well, what's the, what if I rub these two rocks together and then he creates fire, right? Like he has more time to like dedicate toward those things. So if we think of, again, we're just caveman with iPhones at this point. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> <Caveman>. <laughs> So it's like, make sure that all of that stuff is on point and then you probably can get away with a lot. Like I would say that's 75% of it. And then movement wise, you know, make sure you have strong connective tissue, do your ISOs. Do your plyometrics and you can get away with so much, right? You can do whatever the heck you want at that point, especially if you have a mindset like that. You know, we were on the trail and we're talking about like slipping. I'm like, well, is it really that dangerous if you have a smile on your face? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're enjoying what you're doing, like that's again, the mindset of if I go in the gym and I'm expecting my hip to hurt and, or I'm worried about that, that's going to be a hard hurdle to cross. And I'm probably going to have a crappy day in the gym. Like, yeah. The, the mindset with it too, it's funny, like going to return to the source with Rafe Kelly was like basically adult parkour retreat a year and a half ago. You would see if this was a, let's just call it an adult plyometrics class in the gym where I'm like treating the, everyone as, as I don't know if you say snowflakes, but like, oh, we got to do this right. Don't go this intense. 
what I saw the first day of that, um, and no one got hurt. Like, like this is the thing is that people aren't getting injured doing this stuff is you're seeing people doing landings who a lot of these people like have, like most of these people are pretty good, pretty adept at parkour, some incredibly adept, but some of these people haven't been doing this on a high level are not in insane shape, but they're, some of the landings are, they're hitting rocks with like this slap and knees like going way forward. It's just a bad, there are so many, like you would say, bad landings, air quotes. These people are fine because I think part of it is just like the mindset of like, Hey, we're just doing this in the woods. I'm not judging your landing. Like, yeah. just go and do it and get it done. And uh, it just kind of makes you think about that too. I, I do want to ask you here as we're wrapping up a little bit. So, in that base level, like, hey, I can tolerate load though. The lifts, like, like one of the lifts uh, that I think is interesting from an upper body perspective, like the Arnold press. Or what are some great ways to to start loading joints that you feel like are very low risk in that sense? Like, great moves for people to to start to hit a lot of load without excess compression so that that base level make good moves for athletes if i'm really like looking at low risk high reward movements from an injury perspective what are some uh, places you get started there with that yeah so i think you can look at it in two ways there's like the loading perspective like you're mentioning and then the movement that they're actually doing right so meeting them with wherever their range of motion is that doesn't even mean that you have to get someone on the table to do table tests but just watching their body weight squat and or looking at their just tell them put your arms over your head what do you have access to right right, so that's an easy way to sort of judge that but meeting their range of motion where it's at and where it's Mm. they can easily get into without having to work pretty hard i'll start to build there give them what they already have in some ways and kind of remind the brain like hey you can do a lot like there's a lot more that you're able to do don't focus so much on what you can't do right because if we just sit there and it's like oh you can't get your arm over your head put this weight up here do all this stuff where it looks feels like crap like that's not no one likes that that's not Mm -hmm. a dopamine hit right (laughs) so uh, a good example of that would be you don't have the shoulder flexion and maybe you have pain at end range well let's just get you doing a floor press right? Let's start there. And I really like to use a lot of unilateral or alternating type movements. I think that the alternating movements, there's a rotational piece to that. There's a neurological, like the body lights that in some way, it just sort of like feeds it. And that can keep the system a little bit more calm, whereas something maybe a little bit more bilateral with it being sort of compressing both sides of the body. I almost think of it as like sort of trapping yourself like you don't have as many movement options there that may, you know, flare up the nervous system in some ways or make it feel like it needs to go into more of a defense state. So starting someone in a floor press, uh, that works really well. Say someone does have the ability to get more overhead, like an alternating Arnold press, you're going through full range of motion, you're getting upward rotation of the scapula, but it's only one side while it's the other one is sort of creating more of the supportive position or strategy on the opposite side. So. I really like that type of work from a loading perspective, higher reps. I start people super high reps. If anyone's done physical therapy, you've probably done like three sets of 20, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the, with the little pink weights, like two pounders or something like <laughs> yeah, that yeah, at yeah, times, yeah. like you could probably use a lot more weight, but doing more higher rep, more volume. I look at that as being more expansive versus yeah, oh, compressive. Yeah, yeah. More blood flow. More yeah. Blood flow. Inside out, yeah. Right. Exactly. Like blood flow is a huge aspect, you know? What we do know about pain is that it does occur when a tissue is compressed, it's tight because it starts to restrict and occlude the tissue, right? If there's no blood flowing in there, 
the brain freaks out and it's like, oh, it's dying. Like if there's no nutrients, there's no oxygen there, right? So if you can just create, that's why I like zone two conditioning because it's just systemic blood flow nonstop as well as building an aerobic base. But if you can do these higher level or uh, higher rep exercises and someone can do that without pain and then you just double down on it, restores their mental confidence in themselves. It's telling them like you can do a lot more than you realize. And then from there, you just push into whatever range of motion you can get at that point. So start moving their arm more overhead and progressing that way. Gotcha. So even I remember when I was on your podcast, it was the you were talking about just putting people on the assault bike. Like and that just it's almost like earn your complexity. What if just doing like ISO lunge holds and the assault bike and high rep Arnold presses, you know, like got you, how far could that get you? Or like I just like the idea it's, it all goes back almost to Tommy's like finger like how far can you move your finger mm-hmm. do it a bunch of times or I think Matt Domney when him and Kyle were on he was talking about like a half squat like from the pins being like an ultimate corrective for the squat because it's like yeah. here's a range you can do do it a bunch of times and so the Arnold press tell me about that a little bit because I think everyone sort of pretty much knows like okay half squat from the pins I get that that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense Arnold press is a little interesting because that's like as opposed to a bench press with my hands, like turn palms down and an Arnold press is palms up. Like it's facing me, a palms facing me vertical press. What is it about that that allows people to do that more easily? Like it's more user-friendly. So I think it's integrating sort of a protraction. Like, so when I, I cue people with that exercise is I'll have both elbows are sort of reaching down into like toward the ground slightly. And in front of them. So it's getting a little bit of that serratus activation to kick in, which we know with regular like overhead press, like it's probably, especially out to the sides, like abducted 90 degrees, you're probably not getting a ton of that working at that point, especially if you're pinning your shoulder blades back and down. Like it's just, it's not happening at that point. From a hypertrophy perspective, fantastic. You're hitting your delts all day. But if you want to say someone's in pain, I want to give them as much range of motion that they can, can control and muscle to support that joint throughout that whole range so it's like telling the brain like hey you got all these big muscles that are here to help don't worry like don't freak out yeah (laughs) you don't have to cause pain you don't have to give us this warning that something's wrong so in that position you can sort of lock that in and get some serratus and then as someone else is pressing up and overhead i'm almost cueing the whole time like keep your elbow protracted and then finish through a pronated grip and it just allows the scapula and all those muscles to work as intended in my opinion gotcha yeah so it's a it's a position that yeah just lets lets things work as intended and it's kind of like almost a home base and then once you're good at home base you could go turn your palms around do other presses right i think sorry go ahead i think too it it limits extension through the spine which is a big or especially like the thoracic Mm. when i think of extension that's like the final gear you shift into right so usain bolt he's in that final gear all the time because he can hit those high levels but he's conditioned to where it's, it's his superpower. It's what he can control all the time. It's yeah. not a problem. You have someone that's more deconditioned, which if you're in pain, mm-hmm. there's probably some aspect of that happening. Uh, unless there was a freak accident, like you squatted mm-hmm. and whatever, the bar fell in your head, whatever. But these people that are deconditioned, they may present with that same anterior tilt. But it's because they don't have any ability. They can't shift gears. It's either, you know, they're going zero to a hundred, they're blasting through school zones mm-hmm. because that's all they have is that movement strategy. They don't have anything else. They don't have any other muscles or coordination aspects that can help them there. So if I can delay that final gear shift a little bit, give you a couple to get into, you can actually go 20 miles per hour 
40 miles per hour versus just extend all of a sudden. Like as soon as you reach overhead, you're extending. That gives you more movement strategies to the brain. You know, you have options. The brain likes options. If it has options and it can load other areas of the body, probably not going to have pain. <laughs> yeah that's the way i look at yeah it. yeah so basically it said like let's just say a bench press palms down like orientation and i'm kind of i don't have a whole lot of options flipping the palms towards my face doing high reps it, it's giving me options back it's expanding blood flow it makes me think about i don't talk about this example a lot but i really like it and this was popular back in the day before social media and twitter this was back in the forum days as a guy named andrew darkley ran i don't think he's active in in training anymore but he ran it was like a vertical jump for him and his he wrote this article is called like max effort beast mode training and it was basically when he wasn't jumping and dunking like kind of going back before to like that's the ultimate training that you need to be doing but he would recover from that i guess you could call it the silver bullet but his recovery method was high reps at the 20 half squats yeah that he would just do that get and think about expansive blood pump he would feel his whole body would feel good and he would just do like he would do that like three or four times before he'd go dunk again or something like that he's like i do it three times a day every time i do it i feel better and like because it's a half range a half squat too there's not a whole lot that can go wrong in a half squat you're still getting expansive work there i just found that interesting because i try to take these like the pain and rehab analogy and always say hey here's the way that this could work in performance training too so right but it's just like that it is just kind of recovers you so you can go dunk and jump and be high high output again I think of it too is he's just doing something different. Yeah. Right. Like that's an option. Like you have, if you're all, you only, you're stuck with plan A all the time. That's all you have. Like if you were playing a sport and you've ran the same play or play for the whole, you know, first half, yeah. the other team's going to catch on and your guys are just going to get, going to get demolished. Yeah. Right. So it's just that guy, he's got a, that's his plan B. That's his other movement strategy. Maybe he just gets enough out of that to where it keeps him healthy and it keeps his joints happy you know yeah like we have to remember that pain is just it's in all in the brain it's not necessarily from the tissue it's not the muscle and nine times out of ten it's more of a warning Mm. you know especially if it's something that's chronic it's just your body like it's like the hover parent yeah it won't let you go outside or anything because it's scared (laughs) they're scared you're gonna get like kidnapped or something yeah yeah right it's just and when you listen and you stop doing that activity, well, the pain's done its job. It's prevented you from hurting yourself potentially anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that safety net. It's a safety yeah. thing. With the just last thing too, before we wrap up, is I know like the Arnold press, because I ever since I went through the broken to beast, like I was I've been using that a lot. Yeah. I'm just trying to be able to touch my uh I, my hands behind my back again. Like I got so so many bench presses and I can if I do actually if I have like a lot of like break dancing stuff, like as a warm-up, then I can't like all these twists and thoracic, then I then I can like barely, but I think it was just a lot of heavy bench presses kind of sandwiched me a little bit anyways. But the the Arnold press idea or even like a landmine press, like it's intriguing to me doing that less bench presses, compressing my rib cage, doing more of that. Anything else you want to say on that? And then just very quickly, like the lower body equivalent place to start. That's like home base for you or a home base for you with the lower, lower extremity. Yeah. So home base for lower extremities, split squats. Split squats and like Camperini deadlifts or like offset, like stagger stance deadlifts. Those are great variations because it's unilateral. You can control it and like really feel the right muscles working, but it does have its 
faults with like loading perspective. Like you mm-hmm. can't, no one's ever going to, a front foot elevated split squat. Like you can only <laughs> load that so heavy. 415. Yeah. Like <laughs> load it up. you're not going to be able to get super heavy with that, but you can still do a substantial amount and that can be a fantastic accessory movement in your program. So say you are doing your back squats, you're doing your cleans or your bench presses, just follow it up with a little bit of rotation, use the range of motion that you know you should have, and that can help you keep that in the long run. Right. So like right now I've been doing my bulk. I've been going through this process. As I've gone through it, I'm doing more bilateral lifts and I've lost some range of motion, but I still am trying to use my accessory movements to maintain what I have as I specialize. So I still just have that little bit left there. Right. So, and there's, I mean, I could completely stop doing those accessories and I guarantee within two, three weeks, like I can't reach my arm behind my back. Like that's just kind of what it's going to turn into. I do think that with like the bilateral lifts, if you use as much range as possible, again, there's like the loading perspective though. Mm-hmm. It's a catch 22. You got to pick one or the other at that yeah. point. Like, do you want the mobility? You can hold on to as much as you can, but it just depends how much you specialize. So it, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think just basically for me, I, I always like to just kind of wrap it up in a general, where's a good starting point. And for me, oh. it's like, okay, like starting point, upper body, almost like stuff that's more like landmine pressy in nature, like like, and then lower body more split squat in nature and building out from there in intensity and I think too, like, like you, you've said it multiple times, but like the isometric split squats. Yeah, like, that's my jam. Yeah, <laughs> but like it's a yielding process. Like as you fatigue, you get lower and lower and lower mm-hmm. in that split squat. So if you did a push-up, incline push-up, yielding isometric, like that's going to slowly give you shoulder extension over time and that might help you get your mm-hmm. hand back up, up your back or something or touch your back uh, so i use isometrics all the time they're controllable right like people can just feel the muscles working it's going to tell the brain that this is safe because there's all this muscle working it's not some like dynamic thing that the brain could just be like no don't do that <laughs> yeah i got i got you so well cool well hey i know you know i could go on about like the upper extremity stuff too i I don't get to that a lot on this podcast i could go on forever but i actually i know we got to get going here and i know it's kind of getting getting a little chilly out man i mean i after that run it was like you know 47 (laughs) now i was like oh this is good and i kind of towards the end i'm kind of finding my hands getting a little tight here with the cold so anyways kyle tell people a little bit more about uh where can they find you i know you have broken to beast out at anything that you want to share with any of that stuff before we get out of here today yeah so you can find me at wall personal training that's w-a-u-g-h a uh, little different last name you can find me there that's where i have my website all the services that i do my online training so i do a combination of online training plus rehab so if you have chronic pain i'll get you out of it and get you back to doing the squats and deadlifts and benching that you want to do uh, and then I also have my program, Broken to Beast, that is also on the website. And I will be coming out with some posture-focused programs because I've had a lot of people asking me about those. But same idea, making robust, resilient people just from talking in the language of posture. So if you're a swayback, let's get you out of a swayback and make you do some deadlifts. <laughs> so uh, that's all coming out uh, in this next year, I'm really pushing that. And yeah, I think that's all it. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, hey, thanks, man. Thanks for making this happen. And it's great to do one of these in person again. So I appreciate you braving the cold here. Oh, it's fine. My my pinkies are a little cold, but that's all right. (laughs) You're doing better than me. So, all right. Well, thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. We'll see you next week.